0: We did NFC yesterday. We're doing AFC today. It's the single most pressing need for each team in the AFC with a draft fit that fills it on today's episode of Renner Ranks. This is Renner Ranks, the ultimate NFL ranking show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into today's episode of Renner Ranks, your go to daily ranks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Every day to special shout out to those everyday's out there. Don't forget subscribe, follow, like for free. It is on you on YouTube. It is YouTube. on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. I, of course, am your host, Mike Renner, NFL draft analyst. And today's spot podcast is sponsored by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150. Bucks. If your bet wins, visit Fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. We'll go through the methodology here once again. Did it yesterday show, but we'll go through it just real quickly once again. Not picking any quarterbacks for this biggest pressing needs list. Those obviously, you just treat them a little differently in terms of that conversation, shall we say. No quarterbacks for this, but then it's the one where it's like they have nobody at the moment in time. Not necessarily the one I'm going to prioritize in the first round, right? If you really need a punter... I'm not going to advocate drafting a punter in the third round like the Packers did with B.J. Sander back in the mid-2000s. Don't go ahead and do that, right? Go. That's a leader round need. These aren't necessarily what I'd prioritize for each team in the first round, but definitely something that at some point needs to be addressed, even if a lot of these, why I put these on here, is because a lot of these positions are so barren that even if they get addressed in free agency, they'll still probably more than likely need one come draft time. So it's the one need that... More likely than not, more likely than any other position on the roster, again, maybe except for quarterback for some of these teams, that will be taken come draft time. Let's get right into it, then. AFC East, Buffalo Bills, and for them, it's the defensive tackle position that I will be looking at, just because outside of Ed Oliver, you've got a bunch of guys hitting for agency. you got Taquan Jones, Jordan Phillips, Tim Settle, Poon Ford, Linval Joseph, all in free agency. Yes, will they re-sign some of them? I would imagine so, but even if that's the case, I do think it's still a position that they will probably be attacking come draft time. Will they do it with their first rounder? I don't think the values there. assuming guys like Byron Murphy and Jerzon Newton are off the board, and truthfully, Johnny Newton, Illinois defensive tackle, plays a similar role to what Ed Oliver does in that Buffalo defense. They're probably looking for more of a nose tackle type, should they be drafting one, and the dream scenario here is Tavondre Sweat, the Texas nose tackle. I would give him to a lot of teams because I think he's that good as a nose tackle prospect. But big, long, not just, I think he can one gap or two gap better than a lot of nose tackles can. I think he's versatile in that regard. And will he fall to 60, though? That one may be a pipe dream. If you can't grab him in this class, the next best, probably pure nose tackle that I like is McKinley Jackson out of Texas A&M. But we're talking about a difference of, you know, fringe first rounder nose tackle and Tavadre swept all the way down to probably a day D3 nose tackle and McKinley Jackson, the Texas A&M defensive tackle. So a big gap there. That's why I do think Tavadre may go a little bit higher than I'm saying here, because if you need one, there's really not a lot of dudes with top 100 grades at that position in this class. Now that's the Miami Dolphins, where... Defensive tackle, massive need. Interior offensive line, also massive need. Picker Poison, since I went DT on the last mock draft, I'm going to talk about interior offensive line for them because guard to guard, all hitting for agency there, their starters from a year ago, now while they were bagged up and had some guys fill in, you have some names there, and Wester Cotton, who had to play last year, Liam Eikenberg, who's played a good amount over the course of his career coming on Notre Dame. Not well, albeit. They're going to probably still want to draft one At this position, to me, Christian Haynes, the interior offensive line from Connecticut, is a guy I would love for them. Not necessarily in the first round. Like first round, I said before, if one of those two DTs is on the board, that's where I'm going. But Christian Haynes, the Connecticut right guard, who I'd love to just slot into right guard, where Robert Hunt was last year. Maybe they re-signed him, maybe they don't. But I think he's perfect for that scheme. The guy can move, flat out move, one of the best on the move in this entire draft class. I think he's going to end up a top 50 player on my draft board. A lot of interior off the line you're going to end up top 50 players. So hopefully that means one of them falls to pick 55 and they can snag one. But definitely some position that the Miami Dolphins should be attacking here in this draft. After what was that? They had that stretch there after they drafted Laramie Tunsil that they just ignored offensive line, right? I think there was like four straight drafts where they didn't use the top 100 pick on an interior, or on any offensive lineman, And then it's like, oh, why does our offensive line stink after we traded away Laramie Tunsil? I wonder why. It's an eat your vegetable sort of pick, but it's one that needs to happen this season for the Miami Dolphins. On to the New York Jets, where, I mean, the biggest need is someone that can contribute right away, right? I mean, it's just regardless. And the position where you can contribute right away in this class, to me, is offensive weapon. A receiver or a tight end, and while they don't have a second-round pick, that means they may be kind of out and guys who can be a real number two wide receiver in that kind of wraparound in the second round where I said there's probably going still be a lot of receiving talent. I do think Brock Bowers at pick ten is a is a fit that's just is gonna to make too much sense. That's one where the top three will be off the board, right? Malik Neighbors on LSU, uh Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State, and Roma Doze from Washington. Those guys, pipe dream, I, I think you're just planning on if you're the New York Jets. That not be that not, not even being an option. I I would consider with where they are maybe making a trade-up, maybe offering a trade-up for one of those guys. Now, not for a future first-rounder for sure, but you're in such a desperation mode with this roster and with Aaron Rodgers' sort of career path that I think they those three could make that big of an impact on this team early on that I would be interested in jumping up, say, above the Titans at seven, who will obviously be in the market for a wide receiver, and getting one of them. If the cost ends up being a future first-rounder, well, then we're saying no, and we're sitting at 10, and we're saying we'll take Brock Bowers because that's a guy who's ready-made for the NFL already. Um, ready-made already. I don't know why I said that. But he is a guy that can make an immediate impact. And I go back to when Aaron Rodgers was at his absolute peak, 2011 season, what did he have in that offense? And now he's had a few peaks throughout his career, uh, obviously won a handful of MVPs. But that was the peak Aaron Rodgers. And what he had was Jermichael Finley at his peak as well. When he was back healthy, he was a dynamic, over the middle of the field, reliable weapon that Rodgers targeted a bunch in that Packers offense. Didn't have it since after J Mike had the unfortunate career ending neck injury. Man, I love J Mike back in the day. I think I had a J Mike sweatshirt. They used to sell stuff out at Boston store up in Green Bay. I'm getting off topic here, but unfortunate. Because if his career and Nick Collins' career, too, would have lasted longer, Packers might have had another—I'm going off on a real tangent here. Let's get back to Brock Bowers, because I do think that that is going to be the Jets' best path towards immediate impact. Unless Ole Shana falls—again, I keep saying Ole of the Penn State offense tackle—don't foresee him falling to that point. Um, unless that's the case, it's one of those two is your best bet as a Jets fan to a guy year one changing the sort of calculus for that offense all right, let's go to the New England Patriots. Took a wild ride there for the Jets. This one's a little more straightforward. For the New England Patriots, obviously quarterback, you know, obviously wide receiver. But to me, offensive tackle is just an abject disaster there with Trent Brown hitting free agency, Michael Onwayo hitting free agency. You really only have Calvin Anderson on this roster right now. And if you don't know who that do is, is, don't, uh, <laughs> don't feel too bad, right? So Jordan Morgan at pick 34 is where I am, fingers crossed, hoping if I'm a New England Patriots fan. I think he's just a high floor, whether it's tackle or guard. I think he could stay at tackle, even though his arm length is kind of on the borderline. To me, the movement skills are not on the borderline whatsoever. He is a guy that can stick out there. Um, Is he ever going to be Trent Williams? No. Is he ever going to be that super high-end guy? I just don't see quite that sort of traits. But to me, a lot of parallels to his game, to someone like Elton Jenkins coming out of Mississippi State. Not again saying he's going to be Elton Jenkins. Jenkins had longer arms. Jenkins played a bunch of positions over at Mississippi State when he was coming out. But I do think I see similar body types. I see similar movement skills. And I just see Morgan being a quality offensive tackle, the likes of which, you know, in a weaker class, would have gone in the first round. On to the AFC West here, where the Chiefs' biggest need is easily defensive tackle. And now they hopefully will bring Chris Jones back. And hopefully, like they have to bring Chris Jones back, right? He, you saw week one against the Lions, and now that's, you know, one game. But he makes this defense go. He is the straw that stirs the drink, if you will, to use what everyone says about running backs as an analogy there. But they need that guy to be there. So hopefully they'll resign him. But then again, Derek Noddy is going to be a free agent. Tershawn Wharton was your DT3 there in terms of snaps, but he is a pass rush only type of guy. So they need a more every down option. And the one I like for them, and now he's a little bit of a project, but Leonard Taylor, the Miami defensive tackle, a third-year player coming out, declared early, was banged up this past year. But the talent as a one-gap penetrator, the ability to get upfield that I see from him on tape, is really... I mean, after those top two guys, after the two first routers, that everyone talks about Byron Murphy and Johnny Newton, who I've probably brought up three times already in this uh, <laughs> podcast. He has the best uh, penetration ability in this draft class after those two. In my opinion. And now he was miscast this past fall as a nose tackle primarily. Not to say that he can't do that. And that's obviously like he was playing there because he could do that. But his ideal position is more of a versatile defensive tackle who's not just getting plugged at the nose tackle position. A guy who can move up and down the line of scrimmage. So you probably still need, even if they do, draft a guy like Leonard Taylor. And it would be pick 64. It would not be their first-round pick. It would be that back-of-the-second-round pick that I would use it on. But if, even if they do you know, draft him, I, I do think a nose tackle needs to be signed or drafted even later in this class as well. Right onto the Las Vegas Raiders, where I said I wasn't going to try to do mock draft fits, but this one just makes so much sense. And there's really not another position that I saw as as glaring. And it's offensive tackle, where they don't really have options on the right side. I guess maybe you could put Thayer Munford there. We'll see, but it's offensive line and pick 13. Talia Sefwaga is just like it's perfect, right? It just makes too much sense for that offense. So. We'll stay on this one too long because I already discussed it. But that one, we're we're just going to see that one mocked. I mean, any of those tackles, right? Him, J.C. Latham from Alabama, Amarius Mims from Georgia. There's too many guys that make too much sense for this Raiders team to think they'll be going anywhere else in the first round. All right, on to the Denver Broncos, where surprisingly, not a lot of needs for this roster. You go up and down, and now cuts may be happening, trades may be happening. It's the quarterback position, right? And I said I wasn't going to talk quarterbacks, but that's that's where this biggest need is. But outside of that, it's a fairly complete roster with at least options, right? You know, you may be losing Josie Jewel for agency, but you drafted Drew Sanders last year, so the Arkansas linebacker. So, so there's like positions where you have potential. So that's why I went with kicker here. Will Lutz is a free agent. I have Joshua Cardi, the Stanford kicker, at pick one forty six as a dream scenario for this Denver Broncos team. Or his career, Joshua Cardin at Stanford, 43 of 45 on kicks under 50 yards. The guy is lights out. Fantastic pick for the Demo Broncos, in my opinion. All right, before we get to the Chargers here. Sometimes we all need the opportunity to get something off our chest, big or small. Certain things can really start to get to you. It's important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased in your life. So today I want to say how I really feel about something. You might even be thinking about the same thing this week. And it is the fact that I miss my good buddy, Austin Gale, former co-host of the tailgate podcast. Now with the ringer, we'll be seeing him down in Indy, but I had to get it off my chest here. Therapy can be different for everyone. Most of us have bigger problems than our favorite sports team. And it's important to get things off our chest every once in a while. If you think of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit betterhelp.com slash lockdown to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash locked on. All right, back to the Los Angeles Chargers, where I see cornerback as the position that's a non negotiable here. And even though they have like some options, I think Asante Samuel Jr. is the only corner on this roster I want seeing a football field next year, <laughs> you know? Uh, unfortunately, for this uh, Chargers team. So that's why I have, and I'm not I'm not going if I'm them, Tyrion, Arnold, pick. sorry, I, I've seen him mocked. I don't think that's where I want to address that need. I'm going Enos Rakastraw, the Missouri corner at pick 37. I think there's a good chance he falls to this range. Now, there's a lot of corner-needy teams right at the top of that second round. There could be a nice little run on that position towards the back of the first, top of the second. They may be left holding their you-know-what We'll see when it's all said and done. But I do think he's a guy that fits that kind of range in his skill set really smooth. The only thing missing with him has been the ball production over the course of his career. But I love the athlete. We'll see how he tests at the combine in Indy. But a good fit for that defense. Jim Harbaugh, what he's had at Michigan over the course of his career there, been corners. I mean, he doesn't necessarily have the greatest corners back when he was with San Francisco but he does know how to identify defensive talent. That's for darn sure. right, on to that AFC North, where the Baltimore Ravens were your champions, and their biggest need on a obviously fantastic roster, the roster I called the most complete roster in the NFL last year, is going to be a power running back, because Gus Edwards, the Sledwards, J.K. Dobbins, both hitting for agency this offseason. I think Audric Estime, the Notre Dame running back, would be an Awesome addition to this offense. To me, he's Gus Edwards with more vertical speed—a big play version of Gus Edwards. He's a guy that needs a little bit of a runway. He's not a make you miss type, but when he gets a little bit of a runway, he had a lot of big runs on his tape this past year for the Irish. This is a guy that thinks going to turn some heads with his athleticism at the combine, and I pick ninety three in a weak running back class. I don't think it's too rich for him. I may have him a little bit lower down my board. But for this offense, he is just a perfect fit. All right, the Cleveland Browns where another really darn good roster, right? And they bring back everyone, at least on offense, for this team. We'll see how they try to hold together that defensive line, but at least have some options there. To me, though, at linebacker with Anthony Walker, Taki Takitaki, both hitting free agency, this is a position they could address early. I'm looking at the second round and a guy in junior Colson, the Michigan linebacker, one of the higher floor linebackers, just a great all-around linebacker who can play your mic there and let Jeremiah uso be your weak side linebacker. Um, really great between the tackles. Really just really a great tackler as well. A guy who could thrive behind that penetrating defensive line. Right, They are a playmaking defensive line. They are not a hold-the-gaps defensive line that's going to make things easy on their linebackers. He's a guy that can clean up when maybe guys get out of their gaps. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, where linebacker is another position here for them that I'd be addressing. Last year, they threw the farm at the position. I think they had like eight different guys play two hundred. It was just a rotation of who's who of you know linebackers who have traveled across the entire NFL at this point in their careers. So maybe you want a little bit more long-term stability at that position. Someone to address, not first round. There's. Not a linebacker I would take in this first round, but at pick 51, Edrin Cooper could be a guy that I'd throw behind this defensive line with his high end ability to cover ground at the second level. He's not as freaky as Ryan Shazier was, you know, coming out of Ohio State. So obviously, why he was a first rounder coming out of Ohio State, but he's kind of that, that kind of athlete, right? Since Devin Bush, failed, you know, flamed out miserably in his Steelers career. They've not had that at the second level. And to me, Cooper can be that for them. A true do-it-all, but a guy that needs to develop. And if there's a team that's been able to develop linebackers, just defense in general, you know, it's Mike Tomlin. <laughs> it's Mike Tomlin and that staff there. in Pittsburgh. So a good fit for them, in my opinion. All right, Cincinnati Bengals, last team of the North here. And it's tight end with them. They they had, uh, you know, this was a need last year even when they tried to sign Irv Smith and he did diddly poo for them, to quote Jim Mora. Um, so I think tight end's a big need. The problem is they're going to miss out on Brock Bowers. George Tiny He's going to go too high. I don't see Jatavion Sanders as being necessarily a great fit there for what they do. Uh, and again, I's a guy who I don't love the value on. So an interesting play for them, and I'm going to try to walk it through here, is Florida State's Johnny Wilson in the third round, pick 80. I think that's the range in which he would go. And immediately what he does is he fills Tyler Boyd's role in that offense. He's your slot to start, and you put him on the path towards being a tight end in the future in terms of his diet and work in the weight room. Like he's 237, 239 pounds scraping Lower end tight end status, right? I think the the kind of your skinny tight ends in the NFL end up around 245 pounds. That's not crazy. So eight pounds away from that is more than doable over the course of a calendar year with a dedicated workout program. With his frame, I think he can get. I think you have a Darren Waller esque sort of glow up into a real deal tight end. And your the Cincinnati Bengals, yeah, it's more even more of a long term play. But he's a guy who can again see the football field immediately as a slot wide receiver, and then two, you know, maybe even just a year or two years down the line, you're calling him a tight end there in your offense. So maybe you don't see the vision. Maybe you don't agree with the vision, but if you're the Bengals in a weak tight end class, beggars can't be choosers at this point. So I think it's the, it's a, it's a high risk, high reward sort of play. Now, before we get to the AFC South here, Today's podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. It's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live stand game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Last division here, the AFC South, where the Houston Texans were your champs this season ago, and I have cornerback as their biggest need with Steven Nelson hitting free agency, Steven Nelson being the quintessential, we need to upgrade at corner, corner, right? He's bounced to four teams in six years, started for all of them, right? KC to Pitt to Philly to Houston. Never been a liability, but at each spot, each team was like, yeah, we, we should... Probably look else. You know, we we should probably do a little bit better. So the Houston Texans are that next spot, and to me, pick twenty three, Nate Wiggins is like, it makes so much sense. And now Wiggins, after the combine, I'm kind of predicting that he'll start getting back into the top fifteen with his combine. I think he's that freaky of an athlete that I think he's going to go low four threes. I think he's going to jump somewhere around forty, maybe even higher, and people will start saying, "Oh, okay." We can forgive his tackling woes, but if he falls to Big 23, man, putting him across from Derek Stingley Jr. is just a freakish tandem on the outside in what those guys can do from a ball skills perspective, from a man coverage perspective, and just perfect for that D'Amico Reyes coach defense. So I'll admit, I'll bang the table for that one all of draft season long until, again, he starts he starts getting buzzed for a little bit higher than that. On to the Jacksonville Jaguars where An oddly complete roster. And I've said, I think I've had this take before, but you look at it and you're like, you know, they could use a number one wide receiver. A lot of teams in the NFL could, but they have wide receivers. They could use offensive line help, but they have guys slotted into pretty much every position. They could use a secondary pass rusher outside Josh Allen, but like they've used a lot of draft capital at the defensive line. And so they have guys they're hoping to develop. They have a zillion linebackers. (laughs) Uh, as we know, and so really the one position is slot. And now, you know, I, I, I think pick seventeen could be. You know, there's a handful of those first rounders that I think could play in the slot. Taron Arnold, obviously the Alabama corner, I don't think he makes it there. Quinion Mitchell, the Toledo corner, I think could play in the slot. Cooper DeJean, I think could be a slot corner in the NFL as well. But I'm gonna go a little bit farther down the board. I'm gonna go to Mike Sainer still at number 96, the Michigan corner. And now Jim Harbaugh's not there anymore. So Trent Baalke can draft Michigan guys again. And now they have Darius Williams, but Darius Williams, even though he's small, is not a slot. He's been way better on the outside over the course of his career. Leave him there. Mike Sainer still, yes, another small guy. So maybe you're maybe trending more towards a bigger slot corner since you have some size deficiencies on the outside already. But to me, he's one of the better ones. handful of other names who I think could be good slot corners. Um, the NFL around that range. Tykie Smith out of Georgia as well. One of those guys. Maybe Andrew Phillips, the Kentucky corner, could be one. And can't forget about Chris Abenstrand, Missouri corner. Almost did there. Almost did. All right, last two teams. Indianapolis Colts, where we've kind of talked about their corner need. I don't want to keep going back to that corner need, but pick 15 could very well be that position. I'm going to say outside wide receiver, though, because Michael Pittman's hitting for agency. Alec Pierce is... How do I be polite about this? He's not a separator. That's polite. Not a separator. And you have Josh Dow to be the slot receiver. So you need an outside wide receiver. To really going to maximize Anthony Richardson's talents. Because the man can throw the peel down the football field, right? So I'm looking, and the more I think about this fit, the more I don't think it's too rich from a draft capital perspective, it's Brian Thomas Jr., the LSU wide receiver, at pick 15. He is, he's not as truly like what they wanted Alec Pierce to be, a true vertical threat that teams have to account for. And to me, he's not too dissimilar from Jamison Williams coming out. Now, Jamison Williams had another gear that I don't think even Thomas has, but Thomas is a little more solidly built, and Thomas has some wiggle and some yak ability to him as well. To where I think in, in a lot of Williams' failures since he got to the NFL haven't necessarily been talent related, shall we say? So Brian Thomas, if that's a pick at pick fifteen, I would not be upset about it if I'm a Colts fan. I, I think he's some someone that would pair really well with Anthony Richardson's skill set. So. Final team, Tennessee tight ones, obviously. Offensive tackle, wide receiver. Those are probably your rounds one and two. But they have also have names at both those positions, right? Maybe this is the year Traylon Burks figures it out. Maybe this is the year that Dylan Raiden's figures it out. Right? There's there are dudes in the fold there that could fill those positions. So I'm not going there, even though I think those should be the first second round picks. Like you still need to add talent there. But I'm going to say cornerback. For the Tennessee Titans is the one position where with Sean Murphy bunting and Christian Fulton hitting free agency, you really only have Roger McCreary in the slot and then crickets in this cornerback room in terms of guys that I would want. Caleb Farley, the first rounder, came out with the back issues, still has the back issues. I don't think you can make on him really playing another down for you if you're the Tennessee Titans and Rand Carth on their GM. So I'm looking later on. They don't have a third round pick here. So 7-38, and 38, I'm looking at O-line wide receiver. All the way down the board to pick 107, and the guy I'm targeting is Kalen King, the Penn State corner. And now on the Senior Bowl recap episode, if you recall, I did not have a lot of nice things to say about his performance. However, his sophomore tape was still darn good. Their talent is still there. I'm still buying at that point in the draft. I'm still ready to take a guy with his talent at that point, even if his confidence is completely shot. Because that's, that's, you hope that you could coach that back into. That guy we saw back in 2022. We'll see. But I think Kalen King falls to that point in the draft, truthfully, after his pre draft process. We'll see how he test down in Indy. But again, a later, a position I would address later if I'm Titans, but a position that definitely needs to be addressed this offseason. All right, there you have it. Your biggest needs, a draft fit for everyone in the AFC. Thank you for listening to Renner Ranks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team. Every day. <laughs> <laughs>